0: I just am not nice to Dot when we're recording. It's a different thing. Welcome back to Gaming with Gage and Friends, the podcast where your friends talk about role-playing games. My name is Gage, and my friends this week are...
1: I'm Rue. I'm John. And this is Dot.
0: This week, we are going to meet our new friends, Rue and John. For those of you listening who have been following along this season, you'll notice that those are new voices and new names. We'll also have a discussion topic. I stream, you stream we all stream for live streams. How live, (laughs) this is gonna be very evident after we meet Rue and John why we're talking about this, but we're talking about how does live streaming your game affect the way that you GM, affect the way that you play? Does it impact the game systems that you chose to represent your game? We all know my answer on that one is going to be obviously not. And then at the end, we'll do a product spotlight for gutter punk, which is something that I'm not gonna lie, I only found out about like a day ago, but I'm already in love with. Rue, John, we're going to meet you and find out a little more about you. I will say, fun thing for me is doing this show was about how can I hang out with my friends and talk about role-playing games? But this is the first time that this is like gaming with Gage and friends of friends because I don't really know you guys. I just know a lot of people that I love and that I respect seem to love and like and respect y'all. And you keep stealing all the best people and doing really cool stuff with them like Dot and Chris. So why don't you tell everyone who's listening who doesn't know how cool you are, who you are and what you do.
2: Absolutely, do you, do you want to take it or do you want me to do it? Ah, you do it, you're in charge, you're the okay. president. <laughs> oh, 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 I see. Uh, that's just for the company, not our marriage, I promise. Um, <laughs> but uh, Yeah, so I'm I'm Rue Thompson. Uh, John and I co-own and operate Rook and Rasp. It's a Twitch channel and a Discord community. We like to showcase RPGs just like, just like everybody else does. <laughs> it's like I'm sure Gage does and I know Dot does. We like to play games, we like to share our love of games with everybody else and try to encourage people to come and play games with us. And one of our, one of our big things is that we like to do a lot of, we like to showcase a lot of indie games from developers and creators and showcase those on our channel and in events on the discord and things like that. So yeah, we're just. We're just a bunch of nerds that watched a lot of streams and said, hey, we can do that too. And it brought us all the way here to the pinnacle of our career, which is being on Gaming with Gage and Friends of
1: Friends. <laughs> Absolutely, Gaming
0: with Gage and Friends of Friends. Uh, and so here really quick, Dot, how did you uh, get to know Rue and John and know Rook and Rasp?
1: I'm trying to remember, was it Michael, Chris? I think it was mm-hmm. Michael. It was, Chris. it was Chris. Okay, Chris is the one that introduced me. He was on a stream and he had shared it, and I, you know, he and I had had a conversation about it. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to have to check this out. So I watched the series of the stream. Regrettably, it took me forever to actually join the Discord. Thanks for the face, <laughs> <laughs> Um But once I did, I was greeted with open arms and welcomed with the warmest of friendship. Um and then made my impression, and we all know how that goes.
0: Dot tends to insinuate herself into into games and communities hey. like the warmest parasite.
1: Yes, That's, you know, I, I weasel my way
2: in. She she's there, and and we're we're fine with it. It's. it's...
0: <laughs> I will say, it's so fine, I've fine. mentioned this. I've mentioned this outside of the show. I don't think I've mentioned this on a recording. Uh, Dot, this happened again today, where a friend of mine from real lives. Who like isn't even an RPG person? Texted me for the second time to just remind me that he is hashtag Team Dot. Oh yeah, that happened again today. Uh, I'm I'm constantly being told by everyone that I just need to be nicer. So uh, that's (laughs) to me specifically. Just needs to to be nicer
1: to me specifically.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now that uh, specific game that you're talking about that you started watching with Chris was that Savage Worlds?
1: Yeah. It, it
2: was well it was it was Battle was it Battle Lords?
1: It wasn't Battle Lords to start. Oh, it was before um, that. I think it was Because that's the first one I, I saw it, was Battle Lords. I think it was Destiny. Which one did he do before Battle Lords, John? Do you remember? I don't know.
2: Man, I don't remember either.
1: <laughs> Cause was, cause we do so much content. Yeah.
0: We yeah. <laughs> yeah. so much content. It it's hard to keep track.
1: It wasn't Battle Lords because that's where the disconnect in timing was, is that I had watched a stream. That he was in on the Rook and Rasp channel was it suited? The
3: Mech Warrior or the? It was yeah, it
1: was the it was was Mech Destiny was Mech, Mech
3: It was Mech Warrior
2: yes. Destiny. Yes, MechWarrior
3: Destiny. There we go. John I said was thinking Destiny. the other.
2: Yeah, you did. He was thinking the other the video game Destiny. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, I see the
3: confusion.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. It was Mech. John did BattleTech. Yes, and then Chris did the the sister show, which was Mech Warrior.
1: Yes,
0: John. Uh, can, can you tell me something? BattleTech is it good?
3: that's not a fair question (laughs) spoken like a true Battletech fan way too much Battletech out there even today so many rules coming out new game just released like in the last month there's a Battletech out there for everyone I will put it that way (laughs) but is it good (laughs) that's a hard question because it's like let's take something that's anime, giant robots and then we're going to make it almost a world war simulator and then try and pull in all the fans from all the tabletop wargaming, shove them all together in a room, and let them fight it out.
0: (laughs) And whatever they come out with is (laughs) Battletech.
3: I mean, I I like it. Battletech was like one of my first games ever. Uh, I bought the Solaris 7 box set, and that was like one of the first games that
1: I personally bought. I feel like it's so unfair that we're having this conversation without Chris. (laughs)
0: This yeah. is I'm doing it to him on purpose. He's going to go back and listen, and we're going to do nothing but talk about him, Battletech. And in a, in a second, I want one of you to trash on Earth Dawn. just whatever we can do no. to break that poor man's heart. No, we spend most of our time talking about how much we love Chris. Sorry. Is- <laughs> <laughs> Rue, John, keep in mind, we are a pro-Chris Hussey show. This
2: is, yeah, this is a pro-Hussy show. I mean, I can, I can get with that.
0: So Battletech was one of the first games you ever played or owned. Uh, Rue, what about you? How did you get involved in this crazy little hobby we find ourselves in?
2: It took a long time. I have only been gaming since twenty fifteen, so which gets longer and longer ago the, the older I get, uh, obviously. But that's how time um, works. <laughs> that is how time works, and I I learned. A rumor. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, honestly, what first got me into it was uh, Will Wheaton's tabletop. I started watching him play board games. It opened my eyes to the world of uh, that board games could be more than Monopoly and Clue. No shade, but uh, <laughs> it, it opened my eyes. Um, I wanted to get into and I got in on the ground level as a viewer of Critical Role. And I know that's probably cliche for a lot of folks. But yeah, I started watching that. Met John about the same time. <laughs> and he was obviously, he's been gaming for for decades. And I grew up I grew up in, in fundamentalist religion. And I'm I'm I won't talk about that, but I did grow up around a lot of people who were like, Oh, D D is like of the devil and, and all that stuff. So I didn't get into role playing games until I met him and I was like, Well I kind of want to do this. And we played Pathfinder for like a year and a half and then now I play everything. Yeah. Just throw it at me. I'm good.
1: Yeah.
0: Savage Worlds, yeah. No, I'm right there with you. I like to do all <laughs> of this all of the settings. The Deadlands, the or not the deadlands, not the, the deadlands. ETUs. <laughs> I know, not even the Deadlands.
2: Rippers is the one that I've played the most.
0: Rippers is very, very cool and very, very fun. We're actually, uh, I'm hoping to be playing in a Weird Wars very soon, which I'm also excited about. Oh,
1: (coughs) nice. Andrew.
0: Andrew, it's interesting that you talk about, well, he's going to be listening very closely as another Battletech lover. Yes. He will also, I'm going to get a message the moment this comes out, and he's going to say, you know, Gage, the thing about Battletech that you didn't get into no, it's gonna be great. We we um, love
2: Andrew too. He's, he's yeah, a he's also in the, member work and rasp of crew. the Rick and the rasp community. Yeah, we love Andrew.
0: We spent the first two or three episodes this season just talking about how wonderful Andrew is because we uh, we are firm believers as well. We are I think we need to expand the Chris Hussey fan club and just make it the Chris and Andrew fan Chris circle. Chris and Andrew and fan circle. All... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes.
2: We absolutely. could do that. We could absolutely do that.
0: It was interesting what you said though about the way that you grew up and like not Playing RPGs at all because one of the cool things I found when I started interviewing people, you know back in the way We used to do the show Was there's this whole subset of people who grew up in 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 these communities who wanted to play RPGs? And for some reason they were like mom dad Can I play D&D and they were like no, that's the devil and they (laughs) said cool. What if we use the exact same? type of game, but we put Star Trek on top of it. And they were like, that seems fine. Because there was yep. this weird fundamentalist Christian nerd who was like Tolkien and Star Trek is fine. Everything else is the devil. Yep. <laughs> so it's always yes. fun to hear people's gaming stories. That's,
3: no, that's actually my story. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's, that's how he got My that. parents were crazy charismatics, were very much anti-D, but there was actually a copy of Greyhawk that came out that didn't have the dungeons and dragons logo right on the front of the book and so i managed to get that one and sneak it in because it didn't say dungeons and dragons right on the front cover
0: you just yeah just slide that one in
3: slide it in
0: i am a, a christian and i have a uh, game night at our church and one of the nice. coolest things to me is that there is a group of 14 year old boys whose parents all go to our church who come to every single game night and play D and D. They have a regular D and D group. I looked at them one night. I'm like, Do you understand? You are currently in the activities hall of your church openly playing Dungeons and Dragons and people who are walking by are like do you have room for one more I don't you stand on the shoulders of men Mm -hmm. who had like people who had to hide these books hope they didn't have D&D on their cover it was just it's just been a really kind of cool weird thing
2: I found out as an adult that my associate pastor growing up played D&D and I was like what and like that was my best friend's parents I still didn't know (laughs) well
0: because you don't tell people at church.
2: I knew everything, but I didn't know that. <laughs> I knew all of his it's, tattoos that he hid every week, but I didn't know about D&D. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I actually have some friends that, of mine at my church who actually now have a, an entire mission that is called Love Thy Nerd. And all they do wow. is show up in nerd space. They stream on Twitch to let people know Jesus loves them. They show up at con- the coolest thing I think they go to Gen Con and they mm-hmm. try to find indie game developers who like can't go to the bathroom because they've sunk their savings for the year into Gen Con. And they're like, "Hey, do you want to teach me enough about your game for you to go get a sandwich?" And I'm like, "That's the coolest That's thing ever." That's actually like,
2: really cool. That is a that is Christ's love in action, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that is faith. <laughs> And works. <laughs> so, <laughs> let me get a sandwich.
0: All right. For the five people who are still here. i <laughs> sorry. <y'all. laughs> let's get over to our discussion topic. So we're talking about streaming. And I know for a lot of people, this is never going to affect them. They are never going to actually stream, though you can, like legitimately. There's no very few barriers that are stopping you from streaming. Right now, if you would like to stream, seriously, just go stream. You can just do it no one will stop you but i know a lot of people don't have the interest but i do think they have a little bit of curiosity into what's going on here like rue john you stream often dot you have been on a lot of streams i think oddly enough uh i am the probably least experienced streamer having only streamed a handful of times maybe maybe six or seven times uh but i'm excited to get into this Uh, And we can start with this first part of this question. How do you think that live streaming affects the way that you either run the game or the way that you play the game, depending on which role you're in? And Dot, why don't we start with you and then we'll go to the experts.
1: Well, I'm going to, uh, thanks. Thanks for that. Um, Why can't you be nice to me?
0: You know, I try. I like have a post-it note right next to my computer and it doesn't work.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, considering I'm not on the GM side of things for any streams that I've been on, um, I'll talk from purely the player perspective. The first stream that I was on was actually a hosted show. And it was my introduction into the Identico game that I'm in. I was nervous as all get out because I have a serious case of foot and mouth disease and I was so worried that I was going to slip up and say something that didn't necessarily come across the way that I meant it. And then there was going to be this huge following of people that were like, wow, she's really the worst, (laughs) which a lot of people will probably agree with. I got that first stream under my belt and it felt good, it felt good to have that back and forth rapport. But then going into a streamed game is a completely different hat to wear because it's almost like you take on, you, you know, you're following, falling into that role-playing feeling, but it almost felt a little bit more intense for me, like I was taking on this whole new personality and this whole new perception of myself in a game. I think in the the Rook and Rass stream when we did uh, Zombie Apocalypse Day 91, I think that I acted into that character and portrayed that character a lot more up front than I, than I really have any other character that I role-played. And I think that because it was a stream, I felt like I need to, you know, extra effort this, the best foot forward. So, yeah.
0: Excellent. What about you, John? What do you think?
3: I actually start off with, podcasting of games and doing actual plays through that first before you went on Twitch. And a lot of the same things that we started with have moved into that area. When you're at a table, you're with friends, it's all about the community, interaction. I've always said that a game is a vehicle for fun, you know. It's not the main purpose, but it's what you're riding in. There's pauses, there's bathroom breaks, there's uh, food at the table. It's a whole different monster when you move into streaming or even podcasting for it. And one of the like things that hops in my brain is no dead air. That's dead dead air is your enemy. Talking about your processes, because especially with podcasting, you they the audience cannot see you. They can't see your eyes. They can't see the way your body's moving. And so a lot of times you're having to say out loud what's happening in your brain with your character to pull the people in. And so You've got that playing off of you. It's like, oh, well, I did this and oh, I rolled my dice. Let me talk about the dice I just rolled and what I actually rolled and what it means because you can't see my character sheet. That's like the base level. Then it gets even bigger than that. As you go into GMing, you have to start worrying about the things that bog or slow down a game. I recently did a poll with uh, our community and one of the things we talked about was keeping your combat short. And I'm going to say a number I think it's going to sound crazy to people, and that is trying to keep your combats under four rounds.
0: John, we just became best friends. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. thank you, thank you. I, 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 I even not streamed games. I'm right with you. If we get to round number five, I've done something wrong.
3: Well, that and you're going to start losing people, quite honestly. I mean, and that's, again, you're going to start worrying about your audience and what they're entertained by. Absolutely.
0: So. And it sounds like one of the things that you're saying that Dot was also saying is this idea of playing it more open bigger explaining more which obviously you know you have to do because you have an audience that you're dealing with but I guess I'm I'm curious about how that plays into nuances reveals how do you make sure that they feel earned how do you make sure that your audience is still having fun when you sneak one by see even right now I just did air quotes while we're talking and no one who's (laughs) listening can see that that's just for us they don't see my big hat you guys are the only ones who see my hat but like the idea of broadcasting secrets or twists in a way that's satisfying because like you said it's not hard to get one by people they can't see what you're doing in a podcast or in a stream they only see what you're showing them rudy have any thoughts on that or just streaming games in general
2: my experience with gming on stream is is fairly new i I guess that might sound like a cop-out i was always the player i john is John suffers from Perma GM. I suffer, or I I I lavish and, and and relish being a perma player. Recently I have started GMing. I do run a show on Sunday nights and I've done a couple one off miniseries. And one of the things that John pretty much said it, but I'm I'm a I really like the way that a lot of the games that we tend to play and the the games that we tend to bring to Rook and Rasp kind of have more of a cinematic theatrical feel to them. There's not a lot of um, like grid-based mechanics. And John and I just actually had a discussion about this last night because he's wanting to bring like miniature-based combat in for a game that he's prepping and I am like so not having it. I mean, it's fine. It's his game. <laughs> Whatever he wants. It's that
0: BattleTech background.
2: <laughs> and I'm just like I know That like, and even in the course of the conversation, there are some big shows that use really cool miniature terrain and they build up these great sets and they, they do these, but they also are doing hella long combat. So it makes sense for the GM to be showing off all of this stuff. Plus they probably have a sponsorship and all that other stuff. So it makes more sense for them to really buy into that whole miniature based combat concept. Whereas for us, I think one thing that Rook and Rasp has a real solid community for is people that are there to kind of act, up, act it up. Mm-hmm. They want to put those characters out there. We have, we have a couple shows where people really buy in to their characters, and I think that's huge. And that is a lot different from the home games that we used to run. It's a lot different from even the podcast games that we used to run. Now, our community and our friend group has grown immensely since we started streaming and kind of opening it up you know people's comfort levels. Like, we have home friends that won't stream because that's just not where they are. But then we have this whole community of people that are like, I want to play a character. And I want to go out there and be this, yeah, and be like Dot. I want to go out there and be this character for the next three hours. It's kind of changed everything. I mean, I have one game that we're in. Me and one of the other characters, well, all of us, all all the cast, uh, have written fan fiction for our characters and for our other characters and NPCs. And that has never happened to me before outside of this this streaming experience and i think that's one of the things that i like that energy coming off of people it changes like it sells it more to an audience like we we're not even really having to try when you've got people that are invested to that level and i think that really shows but it is it is it's a whole different monster and i miss sometimes having the bowl of chips on the table and being able to just <laughs> fool around and play a game for like seven hours and not be concerned with a storyline or what are we putting out there or camera etiquette. Sometimes remembering you're on camera is the worst part. <laughs> yes. When we're done with
0: the episode, I'll tell you about Swan nights and you maybe I know you probably stream on Mondays, but we'll pencil that in and give you some beer okay. and pretzel. Nice. Yeah, nice. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I want to touch on that I kind of heard, Rue, you're talking about like this theatrical performance style of play from the players john i kind of heard you talking about this cinematic style so john you're probably the person who's done the most gming in this space so i'm interested in your thoughts on the role of game master so anyone who's listened to the show long enough knows that this is something that i love to just get philosophical about even though it doesn't really matter Well, yeah, but I want to have a conversation about it, too. Chris and I have talked about this at length, about, mm-hmm. like, the role of the game master, the modern turn towards the the GM is just another player, which, yeah, I, I'm pretty vocal about not agreeing with. But the role of the game master in general, I'm curious, John, what your thoughts are. But also, in this stream space, do you feel even more so this push towards GM as director? Absolutely. Uh, rather than just, like, a more classic game master?
3: Absolutely. Now, I think it's, there's, The GM wears a lot of hats, especially. uh, I mean, our channel, we, Rue and I pretty much do a lot of layouts, do a lot of the production. So, everything that you're seeing on screen, the person who's GMing a lot of times is also running. And so, we, we were trying to move away from that to where we're both at, you know, one of us is at a production station, one of us is at a GM station, so that we can leave that part of the job behind. But when you're the GM, for a streamed show, and I—I'll say I don't suffer as a uh, always GM. I actually love and revel in the fact. I love running games. I would say that kind of a really hard, hard topic to enunciate on. But the thing is, is that yeah, the the GM directs the show, guides to create you know guides and creates a overall plot and runs everything. I tend to go for a sandbox kind of feel with the larger games, like the campaign-style games I run. I create an idea in my mind of the world and the actions that NPCs are taking behind the scenes and how it kind of trickles down towards the character, and the characters are playing in that sandbox. So I don't toss out necessarily. I mean, I, I give them hooks and everything else, but really I'll leave it up to them what they do and I'm playing all the other characters. The NPCs that come up, sometimes, sometimes I'll go powered by the apocalypse and I'll let the players, I'll be like, hey, you've met this guy on the road, tell me about him. I will toss that in ever so often because I want to have that shared experience of storytelling, but by and large, it's my story. If there's a discussion on the rules or if there's a discussion of, you know, any of the nuance that you can get into at a table, sometimes i mean let's be honest sometimes you don't want to rule as lawyer but on a stream it really comes down to i'm sorry guys we got to move on this is what i said we're doing it
0: yeah it's almost the difference between saying hey look we found this sandbox to play in versus saying hey would you like to come play in my sandbox i i agree with you and anyone who disagrees with us is wrong Um, however (laughs) if they would like to disagree they can come into the discord and yell at me as they please this is a great conversation and honestly i think we could probably talk about this and just kind of moving into this idea of like g you know gm philosophy rpg uh philosophical questions but I do want to take uh, some time and make sure we get to the product spotlight and start talking about Gutterpunk. Uh, so obviously, the best person here to talk about Gutterpunk is Dot. Dot, go ahead and tell everyone. No, no I, am not, I am not the best person to talk about Gutterpunk because I unfortunately
1: was not available to do any of the playtesting that John had. Um, I wish that I could have, but unfortunately, that didn't happen. So, I is that the be...
0: one time you weren't available for a game, you like on what, your Gage? on your like punch card?
1: You know what, Gage.
0: Really quickly, a fun thing that happened was as of uh, of this recording, uh, an episode was released in which I said, if you want Dot to play in your game, all you have to do is say, hey Dot, I have a game, and then she will appear. (laughs) And we laughed about it, and it was very funny. The episode got released. Dot hadn't listened to it yet, but a listener had. And jokingly, referring to the episode, said, hey, Dot, I've got some playtesting if you want to try and jump in. And she said, yeah, here are my dates that I'm available. <laughs> and it was only later <laughs> that she listened to the episode and realized that she did exactly what I said she would do.
1: <laughs> I said, darn it, I fell for the trap again.
0: <laughs> yep, right on into it. Uh, but Gutterpunk, punk, Sorry. Sorry, yes, don't.
1: John. Tell us about Gutterpunk. Yeah, you you don't worry,
2: Dot. I've never even played Gutterpunk. Uh, it's
1: it's <laughs> that's true uh, devotion I, right there,
2: <laughs> John. John, I'm I I you know this is a joke, but Gutterpunk is the mistress in, <laughs> This is the third the third in our in our partnership. But <laughs>
0: you know this is a joke. Our marriage counselor knows that this is a joke. <laughs>
3: yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah. Well. That kind of is a weird lead-in because we come from uh, music backgrounds, both of us do, mm-hmm. and we come from two very different locations. Gage, maybe you'll know this one, but so I started off in the whole Christian contemporary movement when I was much younger. My parents, being charismatic, were basically uh, only Christian music was allowed in the house. And so I listened to all that, and then somehow, through great, strange turns, I ended up in the punk movement. I was in the punk scene for about... Uh, 10, almost 15 years active, going to concerts, uh, participating in the different events and the lifestyle thereof. And gutter punk is my love letter to music performance and the punk movement in and of itself. Just to clarify, so Roxy, while I was doing all that, her dad was an old school rocker and guitarist, mm-hmm. and she moved into more of the traditional church music, but then into... <laughs> and yeah, yeah, folk and bluegrass and, and that acoustic stuff. So two, di- two completely different angles, which is why Gutter Punk as my love letter to punk music and the punk scene never really interested her.
0: I feel like punk and folk, as silly as this might sound to people less familiar with the genres, are asking a lot of similar questions like, what is a song? How much do I need to be a song I don't want my song to sound like what you think a song is supposed to be I want mm-hmm. my song to sound like what I think a song like these are are very real questions that they're tackling very I, different directions.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like punk music. I just didn't have the background in it. Like he did mm. you know him playing it and stuff. Uh, whereas and then again, I went to the kind of church that didn't even allow contemporary music. It was if it wasn't in a hymn book, and use like old English, it didn't count. <laughs> but we did play instruments, so we weren't that farther step back. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, but yeah, so it was just, a, it was a different thing. But yeah,
3: you know, I, I think the, the game itself, it really came into creation. I had pitched a game. Craig with Nerd Burger Games, uh, which makes capers and a whole lot of other wonderful games out there, had put out this, uh, you know, if you've got a game, pitch it to me and i had an idea for a game and i wrote him and i did a write-up and i was like hey here's my idea what do you think and he wrote me back and was said no (laughs) and he's like no uh i don't feel like this is something you're really passionate about there's you don't really have this feel for it and you're trying to create something that's open world, and there's a billion open world systems out there. You really need to create something that you're passionate about and is genre specific. I, you know, it took me a moment and I was like, well, what am I passionate about? What do I know about? What, what, what's one of my experiences in life? And that's really where this game came from. That and, you know, we're in this age right now where how many games do you hear punk attached to it? And it really doesn't have anything to do with being punk, other than it's not normal. You're
0: very angry.
3: Uh, and I'm not going to name any <laughs> names on those games out there, because there are a million of them, and everybody listening can think of one, and they're just like, yeah, but it's really punk. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to this create is a game. stone
0: punk. <laughs> this <laughs> this I, is be careful. food there truck There actually be that so if people are interested in gutter punk and want to be able to keep up on it and seek so as of this recording i don't the Kickstarter's not live correct no, that's I, later I'm this year planning
3: currently my soft date is november
0: november okay so and november. i will when this comes up i'll ask you for an update and i can make sure that the show notes have the most accurate date i know there's also a link and i will put this in the show notes where people can uh, sign up to receive updates you know, about how you're getting closer to the process and when it goes live. So it's very funny, like, kind of quick side tangent. My next campaign that I'm running is actually uh, a game in my own setting. It's Savage Worlds, surprising everyone. Uh, But it's going to be set around a battle of the bands. So I may be picking your brain about some of these mechanics and the ways that you're thinking of resolving these types of performance-based adventures uh, to get some some ideas going forward. Don't be surprised if your inbox (laughs) gets popped.
3: (laughs) I will say about Gutterpunk... The idea was also I wanted to break a wall between two styles of art. Because I think of tabletop role-playing and writing as an art form. And so is music performance. And so I was like, how many games out there deal with music, but do you really feel like you're in a band? Do you really feel like there's music? And the mechanics of Gutter Punk, when you are actually playing it, and it's called Riff. The magic system is called Riff you actually write a song when you are done and you have to you don't have to have an inch of musical knowledge yourself but you can actually turn around and take what you have and go <laughs> create a song with it. so that's it yeah.
0: Very, very cool. I am excited to get my hands on it and you can see it to me. If Dot's busy, feel free to hit me up if you need any more places. <laughs> oh my gosh.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is all of the time that we have for today. Rue, John, thank you so much for coming out. Thank you for hanging out with a, a veritable stranger uh, in, in me and... Uh, a shadowy acquaintance at best when it comes to the dot uh and coming on in the show i love doing this i love getting to talk to you i hope everyone at home had fun that's all the time we have this week we will see you next week oh thank you dot for being my friend yeah and, and ruin and john thank you for being my friends my new friends uh and we will catch you all next week